All right. Thank you, Wayne. <clears throat> All right. As you can see, I'm not Blake Baston. My name is Josh Klossner. Uh, many of you, as you've already pointed out, that I am the cellist on stage in the sanctuary. That's one of my roles at the church. Actually, my primary role in the sanctuary is the orchestra director. I direct the orchestra get them all together playing the same music, and then occasionally I, I conduct the choir, and there's a few choir members in here, choir members in here, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm also doing choir tonight, so you're going to get to listen to me again, um, but that's actually not my main role. If that was my only role at the church, my wife and I would be living in a tent, so that's, that's not my main role. My main role actually is finance. I I, uh, I work in the finance department and work closely with Blake. So he texted me on Monday, which our offices are right across the hall, so I don't know why he texted me, but he texted me <laughs> and asked if I could teach today. And I was like, um, okay, yeah. I, I started teaching Sunday school back in December. I was like, yeah, I, I, could, I could teach. And he's like, I was like, what do you want me to teach on? And he's like, well, we're in, we're in Zachariah, or you could... You can do whatever you want. I was like, hmm, Zachariah. He said, yeah, chapter 14. I was like, well, I think I've read that before. And so I was like, well, let's, let's look at that. And I got to verse 2, and it says, For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. And I stopped there. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. I'd rather teach Revelation than, than go through that. So... We are not doing that. We're going to have a brief pause today. If you can just bear with me for the next 25, 30 minutes or so. We're going to, we're going to do a slight little detour. It's going to be worth your time, I promise, though. Um, we're going to get into something. But I have a discussion question for us to get in the mood before I tell you the text that we're going to. I want you to think about a time that you had the opportunity to help someone. This could be any ranging. I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, someone, someone needed to help changing a tire Someone needed a little help with rent, those kinds of things. And I want you to discuss that at your table. I realize that, you know, right hand, left hand, okay, if you don't want to talk about yourself, take the opportunity to brag on a bro. Talk about, you know, sometime that somebody that you've seen stepped up and, and helped someone out in their time of need. For example, we all know Gene Carl's word. That's pretty much what he does all the time. He's always out there lending a hand and, and helping the needy. So take a couple minutes, discuss at your table. If there's someone at your table you want to brag on, go for it. If you don't know the people at your table, then, um, I don't know, I guess talk about yourself. A couple minutes. All right. I'm sure we only had time for one or two to share, but is there, uh, before I, I keep going, is there any story that we just need to hear? No. No one's doing anything in here? No, I'm just kidding. I know you all are. That's the, that's the spirit of our church. Well, hey, our text for today is actually going to be Luke 16, and we're going to start in verse 19. We're going to go through the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And I know Blake's probably did this. I think he did it a couple of years ago. We're going to go a little different way with this text, though. A lot of times this text is used to... Uh, to to provide imagery between heaven and hell. And there's a lot of that there. This is a great text for that. Uh, and, and sometimes the text is used to discuss wealth. And it's combined, you know, with a rich man not being able to enter the kingdom of God. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. 
Uh, and there's some, there's some merit to that as well, but that's, that's not where we're going to go quite with this either. That'll be in some context there. It definitely helps where we're going. But um, I want to just start reading, and we're going to stop at a couple different places, and we're going to point some things out, and I want you to think about a couple things. And we're going to read through the entire parable, and then I've got a couple of uh, you know, bullet points. If I had a handout, they'd be the things you're, you were uh, filling in. But you'll just make mental notes on, on this text. So, all right, we're in Luke chapter 16. Verse 19, I played golf last night, there's a golf pin in my, I get distracted really easily too, and I've got to manage this, and I've got a Bible, and then i got my notes, so, yeah. Alright, verse 19, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was a poor man who lay named Lazarus, covered with sores. Man, I have to be able to talk for the next 30 minutes. All right, so we've got the rich man who uh, is, is uh, dressed in purple. What does purple mean? Royalty. He has everything. He is living the life. Then we have Lazarus. Interesting that he has a name. Does anyone know what the, the Greek translates Lazarus to mean? <laughs> We're not going in that direction with this story. We know very little about Lazarus, but it is, it is not lazy. I can see how you would get that. No, Lazarus translates from the Greek to mean God has helped. Okay, So the rich man and then Lazarus. It's interesting, though. We have two characters in the story, and one has a name and the other one doesn't. Let's remember that Jesus is telling this parable to the Pharisees. He's trying to teach them something. So, we could conclude that whoever is receiving this story and is listening to this parable, Jesus' intention could be that the rich man doesn't have a name because it's a little easier for the Pharisees to insert themselves into this equation, into this story. And I would argue that for us, for us to insert ourselves into this equation. So, let's think about that. Let's keep going. We're in, uh, yeah, we're in verse 21. Who desired to be fed from what fell from the rich man's table? Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his source. And side note, these are not just pet dogs, you know, Bailey and Susie. And these are wild dogs that are running the streets with disease. These are like the mangy coyotes and stuff you see. And Lazarus is at the big gates of the rich man's palace. And it's just simply wanting, he's not asking for anything, you know, I mean, extra. He's literally wanting whatever's left over. Uh, verse 22, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, and he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Okay, so that's interesting. We have a depiction of, of heaven and hell. Uh, this is a lot where I think Blake probably said in the text last time too with uh, it's, it's interesting that both characters seemingly, and we'll, we'll get into this, seemingly know where the other one is. Um, let's keep going. In verse 23, And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off, and Lazarus out of sight. Yeah. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Interesting. What does, does the rich man not ask for? Redemption, forgiveness, a change in the circumstance that he is in. He's in a separation. Sorry? Repentance. Oh, repentance, yeah. 
Uh, he, is, he is in separation from God. That's what hell is, right? Hell is his separation from God for eternity. He is not asking for that. His attitude and his mindset is still the same. Lazarus is still the same person. You also would notice that he calls Lazarus by name. So we know that he knows who Lazarus is. He knew who the, uh, the, the crippled, uh, poor person laying on the side of the road, he knew who he was. All right, let's keep going. Verse 25, but Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things and Lazarus, like manner, bad things. That's interesting as well. Lazarus received your good things, his good things. There's a direct implication on what Lazarus received by saying they were his, or not Lazarus, I'm sorry, the rich man. The rich man received his good things. It says Lazarus received just bad things. There was not an implication, but those were tied to his person, right? Just a side note, just keep, keep that in mind as we keep going. Uh, yeah, sorry, I stopped in the middle of the verse. So child, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he's comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. In order for those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, this is uh, the rich man, to send him to my father's house, meaning Lazarus, to go to his father's house. For I have five brothers, and so they may be warned, lest that they also come into the place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses, meaning the writings and teachings of Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced that someone should rise from the dead. That's the end of that story. Really interesting there. There's a, well, let's, let's go this way. Who do we know that's getting ready to rise from the dead? Who's tell, teaching the parable? Jesus. Yeah, so not only is, uh, is, is Abraham making a claim that if Lazarus would go to those people and, and would present himself, that then they would believe. I mean, he really is foreshadowing Jesus because Jesus is about to do the same thing. And we're, we're living in a time now and for the last 2,000 years that people demand proof and proof and proof more than a risen Savior, right? And that's, that's just a really, it's an interesting point. Sorry, my uh, computer wanted to lock me out here. Yeah. So, all right, one of the things that we did, we pointed out, though, and this is the first point that I want us to, to focus on for a little bit, is that repentance determines how we spend eternity. And that repentance matters now. It matters in the day-to-day that we have now. We don't know how many t- time we have left. We don't know when we're going to die. Um, but there comes a point where it is too late. Um, the interesting thing, though, and this is what we talked about earlier, is that Lazarus, Lazarus knew the text because Lazarus grew up in the society. He knew, he knew what repentance was because he, he asked for, for, sorry, Lazarus, I keep saying Lazarus. The rich man knew what repentance was because he asked for Lazarus to go back so that his brothers may have the opportunity to repent. He knew the scriptures. He made a choice not to do that, right? 
Um, we don't know anything about Lazarus and his, um, his walk with God, but we can assume that he's at the, uh, at the side of Abraham, but there must have been something there. That's, that's really an assumption we can make, but we don't know. Uh, and so it's, um, that kind of makes me think about my own walk, too. I work at a church. We all have the ability to read the scriptures, and we do read the scriptures. We know what the scriptures say, but the knowledge of the scriptures is not enough, right? The knowledge of the scriptures and, and knowing and studying, uh, that only gets us so far. It, it leads us to the point that we can repent because we do understand the scriptures and we do understand what Christ did on the cross. But it's a great reminder that, you know, just because I, uh, I go to church each Sunday and I tithe, which you should tithe, it's, it's, it's uh, very beneficial. I'm a finance guy, so I need to, like Blake says, <laughs> I, need to, I need to remind that. Um, even serving. Now, serving gets, I think serving is kicking the ball down the, 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 uh, the road quite a bit. Um, but just doing things out of a legalistic purpose do not get us into heaven. Repentance and recognizing Jesus on the cross is, is, what, is what we're driving home here. Uh, and another way of saying that, you know, our faith should produce works. The evidence of our faith should be works. There should be fruit from that. Um, point two is that evidence is not always enough to convince us of things. Um, Jesus rose from the dead. They knew, people knew this firsthand and they still didn't believe. It was passed on generation to generation and they still didn't believe. Abraham said, then they have Moses and the prophets, let them listen. Meaning that you have the scriptures, what you need, the word of God, which is more than enough to justify uh, our faith, they have. But he said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead, which is the point we just made. Um, yeah. And so the, uh, the side note I have on here, the refusal to accept the gospel is not a matter of a lack of evidence. It's not a matter of us being told or convinced. It's a heart issue. It's a hard not heart issue. Who in the Old Testament was there uh, a lot of signs made and there's still a heart issue? Do you remember back... I guess this would be an exodus. Pharaoh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how more obvious it could have gotten um, with the plagues and, and, and you know, children dying and all those kinds of things. And yet, and we don't, we don't completely understand why. I mean, sometimes it says God hardened his heart. We don't understand necessarily all of that. I don't. But we do know that it was a heart issue. There was plenty of evidence there, and it was a heart issue. And then point three um, that I've got for us is that there is the knowledge available, though, that can change lives. And that's what our role is here. We don't know what the heart issue is of the people that we come in contact with. We don't know. We don't know uh, where they're at. But we have the knowledge in Scripture to, to, um, to provide that knowledge to others. The point I've got here written is that Abraham told the rich man that his family has writings of Moses and the prophets available to them. But... There's major significance by Abraham placed on the scriptures. He's like, no, this is more than enough. You don't need another sign. You don't need someone else to come and say something to you. There is more than enough evidence here. Uh, and then Abraham suggests that the rich man is in hell because his riches, not because of his riches. And that's the, that's the other point. So this story a lot of times is, is talked about because of the great chasm between heaven and hell, but also talking about wealth. Wealth in of itself is not the issue. Like it, it's not. Having, having things and, and being well-to-do, it's not. But it's always the analogy that I, I like to think about. What is on our mantle? 
what is what is important to us? If if tomorrow if riches were taken away, are you going to be okay? If your wealth was taken away, your four hundred one k's, all those kinds of things. For the rich man, it wasn't because in, when I implied the you've received your inheritance or or your good things, he was talking about his riches because he traded his riches for the inheritance that he would get later on, right? And so that's a lot of times what the story is is, is implying. But um, he he neglected the scripture. That was the issue. He neglected the scripture. Scripture is the word of God, and it gives life, and it leads to repentance. So what's the application to us here? And I think probably have driven it home quite a bit, but how does that change the way that we, we live our lives day to day? Any thoughts? I'm going to open this up right now. Right, yeah. For you online, uh, OA was saying that we're aware of the needs around us, and because of that, we're, we're motivated to action. Where does our motivation come from, though, on that? The Holy Spirit, exactly. Yeah, we have the scriptures telling us what the Christian walk should look like, right? And then we have the Holy Spirit that, if it is operating correctly inside of us, is, is, is showing and revealing those opportunities that we have um, and that's why that, the question I asked at the beginning, I know it's, it was a bit of an odd question, but I wanted us to, to start thinking in that way. We have opportunities every day um, to, to, to look for someone like Lazarus. And, and it doesn't have to be that bad. And, and thankfully, most of the cases that we see are not. But um, was at the end of James chapter 1, James gives a very clear picture of what it looks like um, to have a religious walk. And he says that um, you're to take care of the orphans and those in less need and, and, and to not be um, stained by this world and not to look like this world. And so we have a very clear, like I'm just driving that home really hard. There's a difference between what we should look like and, and what the rich man did. What else? Is there something here? Yeah, uh, you know, we have a responsibility to share the good news. But we were sure when you asked that first question, the way my mind worked, First thing I thought about was an opportunity to help somebody, and I didn't. Yeah. And I, what I shared was uh, I was mentoring a, a gay guy uh, many years ago, and his deal was he had a problem with Christ because he felt like the Christian church was at war with him mm-hmm. and that he wasn't welcome there. And, yeah. And I talked about it. Well, anyway, he died of AIDS a few years later and never came to Christ. And, and I have to, you know, I felt the guilt of that ever since because. You know, I didn't do enough yeah. to share the good news and let him know that he's loved by the church and so forth. Right. It actually challenges me. And looking around now, who am I not sharing with now? Yeah. Who am I not helping now? No. That, I'm, uh, I'm going to, you know, that they're going to be stuck in hell for the rest of their sure. life. Sure. Lack of Christ because I didn't do everything I needed to do. Yeah. To now, I understand what you're saying, George. The awesome thing that we have, though, is we're called to obedience. We are not called to conversions. Yeah. We're not. We don't have a quota. Um, it, it's it's not on us. It's like pointed out. It's the Holy Spirit, and so um, what we have to answer for is: Were we obedient when we were prompted to be obedient? We're not answering. Did you know? Did God move in this? Because who knows? Who knows when God will move in, in an individual? And um, yeah, there's a lot of scenarios that I can think of where I wish God was. And, and, and I'm a, I mean, my job literally was controller here. Like, my job was to control the finances and, and the different things coming in and out. And, and I had to realize that I don't, I don't have control. And that kind of bled into other parts of my life, too. But just allowing, 
back to what you were saying, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to guide us in those instances, showing us those instances that we have, but then also um, being obedient and responding to that. What else? Right. No, that's exactly right. Uh, oftentimes I find my prayers not, and, and someone, I'm not smart enough to come up with this on my own. It was, I'm sure it was Terry, or I don't really want to give Blake credit, but it might have been Blake. Like, <laughs> I'm not praying for a change in my circumstance. I'm praying for wisdom and discernment to know the next right decision through that. Because probably in that circumstance, for some reason, more than likely it's a result and consequence of my own actions, and, and so I need to deal with that. But, yeah, more times than not, stewardship of the resources and the time, and that doesn't that does involve saying no um, of, of the opportunities. But, um, yeah, and that's hard because we start going down these roads of, of, uh, of, I mean, I don't know how Gene does it. I mean, quite honestly, that dude is always helping somebody, always out there lending a hand, and I don't know how he does it, but that would be a great a great one to pick brain of because he is he is definitely living this out the opposite of what the the rich man was doing he is he's definitely doing that what else oh boy i don't i don't know all right what do you got gene actually i need to say a side note gene every sunday and i know a lot of you do but i just see him every sunday he's he's out there he's serving he's trying to give me a bulletin every sunday when i walk into the sanctuary and i'm on stage i don't need a bulletin but yeah. Well, that's the point. All right, let's, uh, let's hold on here. That's the point that Abraham's making. Yeah. Scripture's more than enough. It is the facts. The, the, revelation that are, yeah, the revelations from the prophets and the teachings of Moses have to be enough, right? Because like he's pointing out, I mean, Jesus rose from the dead, and they saw him die. Like, they saw him on the cross. And, and, and Doubting Thomas is an analogy we use for a lot of different situations. But, yeah, it's absolutely true. But I, I understand what you're saying. I like proof, too somewhat cynical that's exactly right hey i love this y'all are making my point without me actually having to make it this is this is a different way of teaching i'm gonna to have to let blake baston know about it y'all can do the lessons here no yeah blake's been replaced which is a democracy now your dictatorship is now over now um now this is that exactly right and that that was the goal of this lesson i wanted us to think you know, to put ourselves in the shoes of the rich man, only to look at the areas in our life where we have opportunity that we're not taking it. I know every single one of you uh, in here, for the most part, at exclusion of maybe Gene, knows the scriptures really well. Um, <laughs> but as we know, and, and, and as the story demonstrates, knowledge is not enough. Um, repentance is where we got to start. Yeah, at the feet of the cross, repentance. And then because of that, we go out. Yes, sir. Point. Yeah, sharing our testimony is huge. And it's part of the, you know, the Great Commission and going out and making disciples. Part of that is, because the thing is, Scripture is the foundation for what we believe. However, it's not always the best common ground when you go out and, and share Christ because they don't know the Scripture, right? But they can relate to experiences. You're absolutely right. Now, Scripture's got to come in. We got, I mean, Scripture, I ain't huge on that, like over the top. Like, Scripture has to drive everything that we do. Um, but no, exactly what you're saying. All right. Well, hey, let me pray for us. Oh, Josh, one, one of the things that uh, we need to reemphasize is we've got to bathe it in prayer. Otherwise, it's just us trying to do it on our own. The the prayers is the key. It's the fire in the the belly. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, and if you can hear, he said prayer. Prayer is exactly is very important to this equation. That's how we interact with the Holy Spirit. That's how we ask for guidance from God and wisdom from God is through prayer. So speaking of that, let me pray us out, and we're going to go out, and we're going to bring some new Christians to the church, right? All right. Hey, let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for the rain that we have desperately needed across the state, Lord. And I just I pray, one, that... Um, that the rain would be beneficial and that it would not be detrimental though. And Lord, we know a lot of flooding risk and stuff tonight and tornado risk, Lord. So I just pray safety over every man in this room and their families, Lord, as we go out, Lord. And and also just pray, you know, the emphasis of our lesson today uh, to search ourselves and and realize where we may be, uh, we may be just relying on our knowledge and not going out and and taking action and and responding to the good news that it is your, your son, Lord. And so I I just, I ask that you, uh, you take care of every man that's not here today. And, and also the, uh, the prayer request that Wayne lifted up earlier uh, this afternoon, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.